Welcome to Milkshake Monday, episode 167. From stepping to jumping and all that's in between. I wanted to start out this Thanksgiving week, which we know that we're just supposed to be always thankful to the Lord, not just on a special Thursday in November, but every day of the week. And I recognize that from what we're going to talk about tonight, you know, everybody talks about we're starting to travel more and how when Thanksgiving and Christmas come that a lot of people start to travel to go to be with family. And you understand in 2020, because of the global pandemic, a lot of us weren't together. But we understand that this year we have the privilege and opportunity for some of us to actually be together and to have people around their table. And we also have to be mindful that there are a lot of things going on around that table and we have to be sensitive and listen to the Lord as far as being discerning, to be supportive and encouraging. And also to recognize that there are a lot of people that don't have moms and dads, brothers and sisters, uh, sons and daughters around their tables, husbands and wives around the table. So we have to be sensitive that there's a lot of mourning going on in this period of time and to be in prayer to lift up all of those. So tonight we're going to talk about someone that many people prop up in different denominations of Christian uh, faith, where they always call Peter, Simon Peter, Saint Peter, Apostle Peter, all these titles. But I wanted to break down some things because we hear these different stories in the Bible about Peter, but I want us to see some things about Peter because as I thought about all of us around the table, there will be people around the table that we say, oh, they're so successful. And then there'll be people around that table that feel like, oh, I don't have my job or I've got a couple pieces of job and I'm not doing as well as this person. And you're elevating people above the other. And even in Christianity, we find that we elevate disciples in the Bible above other people, ourselves included. But we have to recognize that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And we shouldn't edify anybody except for the Lord Jesus Christ. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are only the people that we should lift up. And they're not people. They are deity. They are our Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. They're one God. And we are to be grateful for them every day. Now we're going to start at a strange place that you probably wouldn't think of. But I'm starting in Luke chapter 22, verses 31 through 33. Because as we start to see Peter, there's many things that we know about Peter. And I'm going to read some of those things to you so that you can think about them. But I want to start at this scripture because... In the midst of when Christ was having the, the communion at the Lord's Supper, there's a discussion that he's telling his disciples that he's going to leave and he's doing acts of servitude, of washing their feet, and there are things that are being said, and there's pronouncement that Christ is saying to his disciples, even about the betrayer at that table. But Peter often, as he does, opens his mouth, inserts his foot, and doesn't realize that he is speaking against what God is speaking. The Lord Jesus Christ is speaking about what he understands is prophetically about to happen. That's going to satisfy the scriptures of prophecy. But I want you to see something in this very first passage. We're going to Luke chapter 22 verses 31 through 33. And I'm reading out of the, the living translation first. Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. But I prayed for you, Simon, that your faith will not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. Lord, 
said Peter. I'm ready to go with you, even to prison and to death. Now, in some translations, you will see that it specifies Peter only. And the other translations, they seem to say each of you. And I'm going to read a couple of those translations that actually say each of you. I just read the living translation, but let me read the New International Version. In that first part, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. The English Standard Version says differently. Simon, Simon, behold, Satan demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat. The Berean Study Bible says, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat. There's a difference when you think of each of you, because each of you is all of the disciples. And in reality, Peter was called out, but the reality is Satan wants to sift all of us. When you think about Job, where the, the permission had to be granted by the Lord to allow Job to go through those. And even then the Lord allowed conditions to say, you can do this, but don't do this. And here Satan asked, that's a permissive. He had to ask permission of God to do this. But look what Christ says. I have prayed for you. And then I want you to understand something. Christ already knows the beginning, middle, and ending of what's going to happen with us. We don't understand it, but he does. That's why you see him constantly going to the Father in prayer, waking up early and interceding and praying and praying and praying. And you see that even when he talks about in Luke, he says he already knows what's going to happen after the rooster crows. But he says in this very passage, he says to him, and when you've turned back, that means that you turned another direction. That means that he saw the rejection three times. He, that's why he comes to Peter and says, before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. But he says in this passage, and when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. Now, Peter doesn't believe him. This like some of us, when God says we need to pray continually, that we need to, to continue to be in prayer, to study and to read the word of God, to show ourselves approved. We're like, oh no, we don't have to do that. I don't have to do that. But I want you to understand, just like we think we know things about Peter, because we've read the scriptures, the Lord knows everything about us. And when we have these opportunities where we need to be thankful, not just on Thanksgiving, but thankful. We have to recognize that him knowing everything about us, he still came, he still loved, he still allowed his creature to crucify him because of the love he had for us, even knowing all the things about us in detail. So here's a few things I wanted you to see about Peter and what we think we know about him. If you ask the basic person on the street what they know about Peter. Some of them may know some of these details and some of you who are Bible readers, disciples who are learners of the word know even more. But I'm just going to read a few things simply that we know about Simon Peter. We know that Jesus Christ asked Simon and his brother Andrew to follow him. We know that when Jesus saw him, he is and had a fisherman business. He was a fisherman and he had a family business with his brother and him were fishermen. And they left that to go and to do ministry with Christ. We know he was a husband. How do we know he was a husband? Because he had a mother-in-law that Jesus actually healed. And we know that the mother-in-law was in Peter's house. So some of you that have to take care of elderly parents, Peter had a mother-in-law that was sick. And how do you think he knew it? Because I'm sure his wife said, hey, mama's sick. 
and you working with Jesus Christ, bring him on over to the house. And you saw that it was Christ's decision to come and to heal Peter's mother-in-law. You know that he was a brother because I told you about Aaron. I mean, Andrew, we also know that he was Jewish because Peter actually spoke in Matthew, the book of Matthew, you see a lot of discussion about the people of the Jews. And Peter often spoke, as you start to see all of the New Testament, he tended to focus on the Jewish Hebrew nation, whereas you saw Paul speaking to the Gentiles, those who were not of Jewish descent. You also know that he loved his life because he actually denied Christ because he wanted to save his life. That's obvious. He wanted to save his life. He also, as you start to study in the epistles of Paul, that there was a fight between Paul and Peter, an argument, I should say, because Peter was acting one way with the Jews and another way with the Gentiles. So he had some issues when it came to bias and prejudice that had to be dealt with. Just because we are Christians doesn't mean that as soon as we accept Christ, everything is we're sanctified in the mind. Everything is perfect. We're not going to sin. That's, that's a false understanding. It's a process of sanctification. And the re reason why some of these scriptures tonight are going to be discussed is because Peter did not understand that even though he was a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, walking with him for three and a half years, that he put himself and his word and his thinking at times above what Christ was telling him right in his face. This is what is going to happen. This is who I know you to be. And he would tell Christ no or never. And, and I, you, you'll say, oh, Sister Helm, where are you getting that? I'm going to show you. And I think I'm trying to show you this because when you start to elevate people, even Peter, you have to remember all of us have sinned. All of us continually have to put down the flesh because in the things that I'm going to show you tonight, and you say, why talk about this in Thanksgiving? Because we have to remember that for all of us, we have these issues. And what we need to be thankful for is not the turkey and the gravy and the stuffing and the warm ambiance of having our families around us. That's all wonderful and, and glory to God that we're here and we're safe. But what we should be thankful for is that God knew all about us inside and out. And he came and he gave his life for our salvation. And when we start to listen to foolishness to say, oh, I'm alone and I don't have anything to be thankful for. And nobody loves me. I didn't get invited to Thanksgiving. I didn't have this. I don't have enough turkey. I don't have this. You have to stop, shut your mouth and remember that God loved you so much that knowing every detail about all of us, he came to give his life. So we'd have a, a way to get to the father, which is him. The only way is him. So let's go to the scripture. Let's go to a scripture I want us to go to quickly. Stepping. Many of us know the story that when the disciples were on the boat and when Christ came from where he was praying, the boat was afar off in the water and he walked on the water and that the disciples were such in fear that they thought it was a ghost. Peter opens his mouth and said, if, because Christ says to him, it's me. You stop being afraid. I'm going to read the scriptures, but I want y'all to hear it in real vernacular so that when you hear it, you say, I don't understand what that was saying. But Christ tells them that it's him. Just like he tells us in the scriptures, this is all about me. These are my love letters to you. And Peter says back, if it is you, why would you question who you know his voice if it's you, he says, tell, tell, tell me to come on out of the boat and come to you. 
And Christ tells him, come. And then you're going to see what happens to many of us in this process of life in the cares of life. So let me start reading Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side. while He dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. That's how he knows us in and out. That's how he knows the future. He talks to the father. What does the father want? But he, he got by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the wa- waves because of the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, that's how late it was. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them walking on the lake. He was already miraculously walking on what we don't have the capacity today to do, walking on the lake in the natural element. When the disciples saw him, now they saw him. Now they've been walking and living with him a long time. Now it's it's dawn, so it's not bright light, but they saw him walking on the lake. They were terrified. It's a ghost, they said. And cried out in fear. Here, look at what Jesus does in verse 27. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage. It's I. Don't be afraid. He says, take the courage. It's me. It's me. It's I. And don't be afraid. Now, verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you. Now, they saw him. They saw how many people walking on the water do you see that are living? Saw him, saw him walking on the lake. He said it was him. He told us to tell them to take courage and said, don't be afraid because he knew where they were in their flesh. But Peter said, if it's you, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Now look who asked to go on the water. Jesus didn't tell Peter, didn't suggest to Peter. He just told him to have courage and don't be afraid. But Peter says, if it's you, tell me to come on to this water. Now, Christ took him up on that. He said, come. He said, come, he said. Then Peter got down. This is a stepping out. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. He was following after what Christ said, which is to come. It's like he tells us some things to do. But here's where things go awry in our lives and what happened with Peter. Christ said, come, after Peter brought it up. And some things we bring up to Christ that we say we want. And Christ will say, okay, you think you have the faith for that? Come on. He got out of the boat, came toward the right direction, which is Christ. But here's what happened. Verse 30, but when he saw the wind, here's the distraction. Here's the cares of this world. Here's the doubt. Here's the distrust. Here's your friends telling you what you're doing that for. Why are you going there? But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. Didn't Christ just say, take courage. Don't be afraid. And he's coming toward Christ who said, come. He was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out. Lord, save me. And some of us, as we're going through the cares of this world, 
We're going through the cares and we have this faith and we start coming toward Christ. We start praying. We start giving. We start doing what Christ says. But then we see and we don't see in the supernatural. We see in this flesh, these eyeballs. And all we see is the natural things coming against us, all the storms, all the waves. We don't see the Christ. We don't keep going, progressing toward Christ. We start looking at the circumstance, taking our head from looking up from once our health comes. And we start looking at the problems, the scenarios, the situations, the waves. And guess what? The doubt, the distrust, the distractions cause us to start sinking in our faith, sinking in our trust. And then finally, we come to our senses and cry out to God, look at him and say, save me. And guess who we're saving ourselves? We're saving ourselves from ourselves, from ourself and our lack of trust and faith. Remember where we learned last week? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Peter was leading to his understanding to say, hey, I don't walk on water. He asked to walk on the water. Christ told him to come, but then he realizes these waves is getting pretty tough. They were the same waves that were buffeting the boat when Christ was walking on the water. But you ask, bid me to come. And Christ says, come on. And then you have a problem because you start to see the waves for yourself. Well, those were the same waves you you, you had buffeted this five or so minutes ago, but you said, come on. But here's what happens. Immediately, verse 31 says, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. Even in our foolishness, even in our disbelief, our distrust, our fear, our lack of courage, our if God, if it is you, God, if it is the word of God is true. If, 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 doubt, 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 Christ immediately comes to our rescue. Thank you. You got something to be thankful for. He said he caught him. And then he says, you of little faith. He said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed back in, Christ and Peter got to the boat. The wind died down. Then those who were in the boat, which were the disciples, worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. But see, they questioned at every turn. Now I want y'all to see something else. In between us stepping out of the boat, we have delusion of our self and our self-importance and what we think we can do without God and what we think we can do with them. But when we step out, somehow in between the step and the getting there, the coming toward him and getting there, we start looking at the circumstances and then we feel, oh, we're delusional. How could we think we could do this? We can do nothing without God, but we can do all things with him. But see, the delusion is when we start thinking ourself can walk on the lake. No, only when Christ bids you to come, only when he grabs you and saves you. But we also have a denial of who Christ is. These disciples saying truly are the son of God. Wasn't he the son of God when he walked on the lake and you thought he was a ghost? Wasn't he the son of God when he told y'all get on the boat and go on? Wasn't he the son of God? But each time you see the disciples are questioning, who is this? This is the son of God. It's like it's a surprise every time. And even us as saints, we seem to be surprised when God delivers us from this circumstance and he grabs us by the hand and takes us out of that circumstance. Oh, maybe God is real. 
Maybe I should stop doubting him. Maybe I should have some faith in him. All right. I want y'all to see before you get to the jump, there's a lot of stuff in between. And the couple of things I want you to see the in between with Peter is that when you see that when Christ tells him about what's going to happen with him, he never seems to believe it. If you were to go to John, let's go to John chapter 13. And it's infamous because we all know the cock, the rooster crowed and how he denied it. But I want you to see a couple things before you get there. Peter saw that Christ was serving and Christ took off his garments to wash the feet of the disciples in service as a servant because he's a servant leader. Peter had the audacity that he tells Christ when Christ is physically going for the disciples to wash their feet, that he tells them, you will never wash my feet. Some of us are telling Christ when he says all these promises that he has in the word, I don't believe you and you're never going to do it. And you're like, oh, I don't do that. Then why are you always crying? Why is your head held low? Why do you always feel like nothing's ever going to work out for you because nobody loves you? Nobody's in your corner. Nobody's going to help you. That's telling Christ you never were with me. That's telling him that uh, his promises aren't true. Now look at what Peter does. We're going to start where it says, let's start at verse five and chapter 13 of John. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was girded. Then he came to Simon Peter, and Peter said to him, Lord, are you washing my feet? Jesus answered and said to him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but you will know after this. Verse 8, Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, if I do not wash your wash you, you have no part with me. But Peter doesn't just hear that because Christ has already told him I'm washing your feet. But Peter doesn't want him to wash the feet, which he just said, never, you're never going to do it. He comes back and, and tries to be like Satan does. And some people do when they try to improvise the word of God. You don't need to touch the word of God because it was done through the inspired holy uh, will of the Holy Spirit to teach to give to man to write. It's the inspired word of God. But look what Peter tries to tell Christ who says, I'm going to wash you, but I'm washing the feet. But here's what Peter says in verse, verse nine. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus has to come back to him because he's always jumping out there. It's not his place. I don't care how much he thinks he's a great disciple in his mind. He thinks he's really great. And in our mind, a lot of us believe we are really super spiritual. We're really great. And God should just give us all kinds of credit. I'm trying to sound like Gomer Pyle. Verse 10 says, Jesus said to him, he who is bathed needs only to wash his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not all of you. For he knew who would betray him, which we knew was Judas Iscariot. Therefore, he said, you are not all clean. Now, here's another example. We're going to go to Mark chapter 16, verses 10 through uh, 14. Here's an example of Christ has been crucified. 
And Christ has appeared to several people and he's told people who have seen him to tell his disciples, the 11 that are left, you know, that Judas committed suicide by hanging himself. And so there are 11 left to include Peter because Christ was specific and you got to study this for yourself. Reverend used to always say, he's not going to give you all the answers. You got to read and study for yourself. You need to go and study to see how Christ made it emphatic that he wanted Peter to be included. He also had a private discussion with Peter, which is a good little way to search for that. But in the scriptures of the gospel, you will see that he actually met with Peter. But here's a situation where the disciples are receiving reports, because if you went back to what we were reading, he tells them, he's been telling them he's going to rise after the third day. So they had heard what he had told them before he was crucified. But yet when people were coming to him, coming to them as a group, they would not believe. And guess who was part of that lack of belief? The same person that was sinking in the water and Christ immediately grabbed his hand and saved him. The same person that Christ told, you're going to deny me three times. But yet when the same things happen, so you all think that, oh, Peter is such a saint. He's just so perfect. None of us is perfect, but Jesus Christ, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit are the only that have not sinned. But let's go to the scripture in Mark 16, verse 10. She went and told those who had been with him. She just seen him. She went and told those who had been with him as they mourned and wept. And when they heard that he was alive and had been seen by her, they did not believe. That's the first instance. Verse 12. After that, he appeared in another form to two of them as they walked and went into the country. The road to Emmaus, y'all know that, right? And they went and told it to the rest, but they did not believe them either. Now this is plain. People keep saying, oh, the Bible's so hard to understand. Come on now. Verse 14, later he appeared to the 11. Now he's taken two people, two testaments of two different situations, but this time he's coming himself because they're not believing other people that are telling them. Later, he appeared to the 11 as they sat at the table and he rebuked their unbelief. See, Christ gets after all of us. He loves and chastens those who he loves. That means discipline. He rebuked their unbelief and hardness of heart because they did not believe those who had been, who had seen him after he had risen. And then he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, I'm not going to go into that. But the thing about us is we think we know how to do this ministry, this walk of faith. But when we stand in hardness of heart and disbelief and we get in our pity parties and we start elevating these people that we see in the Bible, like, oh, they're so perfect. Oh, Mary is just so perfect. Oh, St. Peter is so perfect. Oh, Paul is so perfect. These people were not perfect. Christ is perfect. And when we start to elevate our churches, our denominations, these people in the Bible that we're reading about, 
They're sinful people. Only Christ should be elevated. Not the buildings, not the buses, not the programs, not the bank accounts. All that stuff is not what Christ says to go and proclaim to the world. He said, preach the gospel to every creature. He didn't say, okay, white people, you preach to white people. Black people, you preach to black people. Asian people, you preach to Asian people. African people, you preach. I mean, we've got ourselves so segregated and tied into pretzels doing our own thing. And that's why you don't see that the fire... I told my brothers in India, I said, God is working a miracle to do the work of God because I see that they're going to the lakes, the ponds, and they're baptizing groups of people, hordes of people. People are coming to the revival in India and giving their life for Christ Jesus. And they're being threatened. The people that are telling the word of God are being threatened. But guess what? We have a pretty building. We have pretty all these things and we can barely get our mouths out. We got to do all this stuff to prop ourselves up. Let's go to John 21. We're getting late. John 21. I, I want us to talk about the jump because you saw him step out and in between stepping out and what was happening before the crucifixion, what was happening at the crucifixion, what was happening after, after you see some rebuking, but here's John 21. You've already had this circumstance where God has said in Matthew 28, he said in Mark 16, go, 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 go. But I want y'all to see in John 21 because all of this is not chronological that I'm telling you, but I'm telling you that different disciples through the Holy Spirit are telling things that are happening, giving you a viewpoint of a little bit more detail about what's unfolding as people, you know, cause I could go and tell you how Christ came through a door and he kept telling him, I want y'all to go out. Don't be fearful. And they stayed in there. He had to come, keep on coming back. But here we are in John 21 and verse three, this is Peter who is just, been restored because that's what Christ does. He saves us. He restores us. Even when we mess up, he says, come on back, be a part of my team. But even those people who are leaders, who God has restored, who God has shown that he's all powerful, he's loving, he's forgiving. He will always continue. Even when he disciplines, he does it in love, but we still find ourselves doing our own thing. And Peter is no different. Simon Peter is no different that he, like us, in the 21st century, want to do our own thing. We want to go after the passions that we have. And guess what? If he started out a fisherman, that's where Christ found him. And some people y'all know you started out in the club. Sometime you go through troubles, you're going back to the club. You started in the bottle. When you get hard times and you feel like you don't want to do what Christ said, you go back to the bottle. There's all kinds of things that we revert back to. We used to call it backsliding. But in this case, these are disciples where Christ is talking to them on a regular basis after his crucifixion. But here we are in John 21. Let's start at verse three. Simon Peter said to them, that's the disciples, the people that Christ is telling has been teaching, has been seeing the miracles, has been going two by two, have been doing wonderful things in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. Did y'all hear anything in all the three and a half years that Christ said, okay, I'm going I'm going to prepare a place and I need y'all to go fishing. I need y'all to get some trout. I need y'all to go back on your boats again and start fishing and dropping your nets. He didn't say that. But Peter 
in all that he's been going through and all of his restoration, all of his distractions, all of his ego, all of his pride, he doesn't realize that when, when Christ said to him, Satan asked to sift you like wheat. The thing about harvesting and wheat is that after the harvest, the wheat is going through that sifting to get away the, the chafe so he can have the usable parts. And Christ is teaching all of us like he was teaching his disciples because he wants to use us for the upbuilding of his kingdom so that lives will be changed for people to be saved and don't have to go to hell in the lake of fire so that people will understand that there's some foolishness that's being taught in a lot of these places that they say they love Christ, but they're not teaching the word of God. You don't need to go fishing. But that's exactly what Peter says. But look at what the boys do. Copycatters. You have a leader, but if the leader is not following up what the Christ is taught the leader, what the Christ has done in talking that private talk with him to say, hey, he, Satan wants to sift you as wheat, but I prayed for you. But when you turn back, strengthen your brothers. Does this look like strength training, guys? Does this look like he's learned anything about strength training, staying in the word, not being distracted? It says here, they said to him in verse three, we are going with you. We are going with you also. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. Why would God bless you to be disobedient to what he's told you to do? You are, tell, you are told by the Lord to go and proclaim the gospel. But you want to go and do programs so you can look big and bad and call yourself bishop, call yourself elder, call yourself this, call yourself trustee, call yourself this to get the title so you can be on the deist so everybody can kiss your foot. Christ didn't kiss the foot. He washed the foot. He washed the feet of the disciples. He wanted to show the example of servanthood. But we want to be propped up and puffed up. And Peter went back to the boat and he caught nothing. And it wasn't until the Lord Ask him, have you caught anything? And then after they said no, he said, no, I need y'all to throw that net on this side. And then when they did that, they caught so much. And they even give the number of 153. But then here's what happens. The Peter that said, I go fishing. The Peter that said, Lord, bid me to come. You're going to see when he gets this scenario, when they say it's the Lord, Peter didn't say, Lord, tell me to come. He didn't say, if it's you. He heard it from another disciple said, that's the Lord. That's the Lord. He jumps out of the boat and he gets himself to the, now we don't know if he walked or he swam, but he got there and the other people came through the boat, but he got himself to the Lord. And then he went back to help pull that fish fishing net in, but he went to where he wanted to be and needed to be because he knew he wasn't in right relationship for what Christ had told him to do. Look at what it says here. Verse five, children, then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, the disciple whom Jesus loved, y'all know that's John, said to Peter, it is the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. He jumped into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat. They weren't jumping in no sea. 
That's Peter's thing. They stayed in that boat till they got to the shore. It said, for they were not far from the, from land, but about 200 cubits, dragging the net with fish. Then as soon as they had come to the land, they saw a fire of coal there and fish laid out on it and bread. Now, we're going to jump over to verse 15. We all know that Peter, who's got his issues like all of us do, he denied Christ three times. He's seen that he's also been rebuked by Christ for not believing when people gave a testimony that they saw Christ. He's also recognized that in the past, Christ has told him some things that he didn't want to hear and he threw his mouth back. He even knew about the Mount of Transfiguration when he said, let me build some pillars for Elijah Moses. And the father had to shut him down. This is my beloved son. (laughs) You know, he's trying to equate people that are not deity with Christ. So then we get to this time where they've had the breakfast of the fish that Christ enabled them to catch by telling them where to throw the net. Because apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But with him and his leadership and his direction, we can have meat. But he's wanting us to have the meat of the word. And we're working about the meat of the fish, the natural fish to eat, the meat and potatoes. But he's trying to say, I need y'all to go and spread the word of God, the bread of life, not sourdough bread. But here in verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon. Now I want y'all to notice his names, but I want you to notice the actual animals. A lamb, you have baby lambs. Y'all have had lamb chops. That's when a lamb's meat is tender because it's young. He's trying to share in these scriptures. I'm going to read to you that there are different age and maturity of the people that Simon Peter and the disciples and the disciples to come and the disciples now are going to interact with. Milkshake Monday was for those of us who know that there are a lot of people that don't want to go to the houses of worship for whatever reason, but we wanted them to have access to the word lambs. And sometimes we got sheep. But the reason that you see that Christ is going to say to Simon Peter and tell him who he's from, where his lineage is from, but ultimately he comes from who God and the book of life and the books that God knows is written about Simon Peter. But he's telling him, I need you to feed, which is share the gospel. Like he told them, I need y'all to go and share the gospel with every creature. But then I need you to shepherd, which is leadership. I don't need you to lead the sheep to fishing boats. I don't need you to lead these fellow disciples to the fishing boats and say, you're going fishing. I want you to feed my lambs and feed my sheep and shepherd my sheep. There's leadership and there's teaching and there's guidance and there's understanding that he doesn't want prejudice. He doesn't want you to start putting your own programs before him. But that's why Peter's going to get hurt because sometimes we don't understand Christ's priorities. We think of ourselves and he's trying to say, Peter's going to say, oh, you know, I love you. You're going to hear these words. Lord, you know, I love you. Yes. Christ knows that Peter loves him, but Christ already knows that Satan wanted to sift him like we, because there's some pride in Peter. There's some delusion in Peter. There's some distractions in Peter. There's some issues in Peter, a prejudice and bias and going his own way. 
But Christ also know that he loves him. And there's going to be a boldness that we're going to see in the acts of the apostle coming. But he's got to get the truth into Peter to say, I need you to do something that's going to be beyond what you think you know of yourself. Let's go to verse 15. So when they had eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him again a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend my sheep. Some translations say shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved. Other translations say he was hurt. Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, here's the thing. You know all things. We have to get to the point in our thankfulness, in our understanding who God is to know that the Lord knows all things about all things, about all people. But Simon finally realized that you just don't say, you know, I love you. No, Jesus knows all things about you and I and everything past, present and future. And he's trying to ask us, beg us, intercede for us because Satan wants to accuse all of us. Satan wants to sift all of us like wheat because he doesn't want us to be usable for the service of the most high God to uplift and build Jesus Christ. And so people will be saved from the burning fire of hell, that devil and his, his demonic influences and that host that tried to rebel. He doesn't want us to be used of God. He wants to use us. He wants to keep us in pride and delusion and distraction. But Simon Peter gets to the place in this verse 17 to say, and he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And I asked you as you go into Thanksgiving, I know we can talk about politics. We can talk about bank accounts. We can talk about who gets to be working from home, who has to go in. We can talk about, did you get your booster? We can talk about what's going on with this boyfriend, what's going on with this relationship, what's going on with this, that. all that can be talked about. But if we don't elevate the name of Jesus and start thanking him and start praising him and start telling these people at our table that don't give a flip about Jesus, about thus saith the Lord, don't invite them to your church. Tell them who Jesus Christ is. We are the church. Don't just talk about sweet potatoes. Talk about the sweet name of Jesus Christ. Talk about the things that are going to be meaningful for the eternal. Tell them how he loved you. Tell them about you weren't always made up and, and got yourself right. But Christ loved you in spite of knowing everything about you. The harvest is ripe, but the labors are few.
We have something to be thankful for because all of us could be like Peter. We step out there and there's a lot of stuff in between that step to that jump. But we have to get to the place that we're going to be just like Christ asking us, do you love him? Are you going to feed the lambs? Are you going to shepherd the sheep and feed the sheep? There's a lot of ministers of the gospel who are willing to have programs and willing to do a lot of things, but they got to feed and they got to lead, but they got to do it as thus saith the Lord, not thus saith the association or whatever these politics are doing or whatever we think makes good sense in the natural. We have to do what thus saith the Lord. And that may not be easy for some, but if you're doing things that are just just for the flesh, just for edification of your flesh, you got to be like Peter and get to the point to say, Lord, you know all things. You know all things about everything. And we have to be about the work of Christ because Satan knows his time is ending, folks. Y'all think it's, it's, it's an accident or incident that we're in a global pandemic, that we have all this discussion of all these things. If you knew anything about the end times, Magog and Gog, Russia, China, that's, those are the names that were in the Bible, but you are seeing stuff starting to elevate and escalate and it's in the word of God. And God keeps saying, tell all the nations, don't get caught up in the, all this color stuff that we into share the gospel of Jesus Christ because he loves all of us. And it's not his will that any should perish. And we have the word of God and we have the spirit of God. Let's go share it. I pray God that all of you have a wonderful opportunity to thank him today. Thank him tomorrow. Thank him next week because he's worthy to be thanked because he is a loving God and praise God. He came to save and to seek those which are lost. Thank you, Lord. And God bless you.